Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name's Daniel Lambert and for those of you wondering where our regular host Alex is, he's over in Barbados enjoying the sun. So fortunately or unfortunately, you have me as today's host. Joining me on this week's podcast is one of our regulars, Lucas Frost. Lucas, good evening. Evening, Dan. Evening, listeners. And also joining me for the first time on this podcast this season is Ben Summer. Ben, welcome. Hi, hi Dan. How are you doing? I've not been on in quite a while, yeah. Yeah, good, thank you. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss the 2-1 win at Luton, much to Nathan Jones' delight, whilst also previewing the upcoming games, including Forest and Peterborough. So, firstly, we'll start by discussing the win at Luton. Um, and before discussing the actual game, we'll talk about the lineup an hour before kickoff. Um, it was one change, Johansson in for Chris Willock, uh, 3 5 2 system. What did we make of the lineup? Oh, well, at first, as we probably know, I was petrified because with, without Willock, we have not been much at all this season. Um, okay, I don't think he played against Cardiff. I think we won that, but he played, he, in the, out of the combined total of both the Peterborough matches, he played about 10 minutes across two matches there. And generally, Willock hasn't been himself, although he has provided some creativity when we needed it um, recently. And I thought not starting took me by surprise. I was also unpleasantly surprised to see Austin not starting, given his fantastic recent record against the Hatters. Ben, what did you think of the, uh, the lineup? Yeah, it was interesting. I think when you see something like that happen with Willock, you've almost got to assume that it's a fitness thing. I mean, uh, you know, fair enough, the lineup worked and possibly Warburton set out with a sort of quite dense formation to frustrate Luton. But uh, yeah, it was weird seeing Willock dropped. Um, I was fairly happy with the lineup. It's sort of good to see Odebarjo making the, the sort of right wing back position his own. I think he's been so sort of quietly good. We've not even noticed that Adoma has been dropped almost like it's just it's just been a, a sort of quite natural fit in that position. Um, I've got thoughts about whether, whether you know, Luke Amos should be in there instead of Jeff Hendrick, maybe, but I can't say I had any major complaints looking at the lineup, and, and I like Gray as well. So, Yeah, like you said, um, I think Wolverton, after the game, said that kind of the three-man midfield was to kind of combat Luton um, rather than play Willock and Chair. He almost felt that off the ball we needed a bit more, a bit more energy. Um, I mean, the first half performance, it felt, to me at least, like it was... It was another passive 45 minutes from, from us, um, kind of what we've been used to seeing this season. Is that something you guys would would agree on? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Stephanie goes about saying we were saved by the bell on a couple of occasions with Luton having a disallowed goal, but we also got let down by the same bell when their goal was not flagged for handball by Alan Campbell. While I sort of get why, um, having seen some of uh, some other games this season, Manchester United versus Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough spring straight to mind. While seeing that, should have been disallowed in my opinion. But and also Marshall, Marshall should have sort of done better. Um, but yeah, these things happen, I guess. And must have must have been the bit of a wake up call we needed because we looked a lot better in the second half, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no. sort of looking sorry, at... Sorry, Go on, go on. Looking at the sort of, yeah, performance across the first half, it felt even before Jerome scored, 
it felt like we were sitting there going, this needs to get better second half, we need to improve. Um, but I'm sure Warburton would say, if you come out and try and attack against a team like Luton, they'll come out and try and attack against you. And we've had a couple of games against them. Um, I'm thinking the one at Loftus Road last season, um, where it's been quite end-to-end and it's been quite hectic. And, you know, we were the beneficiaries then, but it, it could go either way when that happens. So I see what the plan was. I don't think it was a case of a lack of effort or anything, but the game just had to be a pretty unpleasant one for, for the majority of it. And obviously it, it did work out in the end. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, and Lucas, uh, I'm glad you brought up the decisions because it's probably going to feel for for our listeners like the refereeing decisions are going to be the main the main topic of this of this review. Um, we'll start with the two in the first half. Obviously, Adebayo has a goal um, chalked off, uh, probably by the finest of decisions. And like you said, there was the uh, handball in the build up to goal. So uh, I'll start with you, Lucas. Um, the Adebayo goal. Should should that have counted or was it an offside? Should that have counted? Oh, I must say on a replay it looks very tight, but that's not from the that's not from the correct angle. The angle is off by a couple of degrees. If you rotate the image round a bit so that it's perfectly straight, you will find that he is about an arm's width offside. I reckon. Uh, ben, what did you think of the uh, the offside decision? Yeah, I, I thought that was offside. Um, not by far, but I thought it was. And I think it was one of those games where you look at it over the course of it and there was some fairly poor refereeing the whole way across. So I don't think either team can feel they can sort of say there was a lack, you know, a disadvantage to them. But there were some questionable calls all around, I think. Yeah, yeah no, I, um, I I think we all know what Nathan Jones thought about offside. Um Kind of through through a yeah. through a hissy fit on the on the touchline, shouting at the uh, linesman. But no, we were. I thought that was the right decision in the end. Um, and then obviously their goal, um, handball in the build up, and then a martial mistake. I mean, firstly we'll talk about the the handball. Um, I think if I'm correct in saying, there's a new rule or that which like Lucas said about the borough game. Um, about an accidental handball, and I think the referee deemed that an accidental handball, and because he wasn't the goal scorer, um, it didn't it, it it didn't get ruled out. But for me, I don't really like the rule in general. Which, what what do you guys think of the uh, of the goal? Firstly, well, do, do you agree by the letter of the law it should should count? I mean, if that is the law by the letter of it, it should count. I always, when I look at an off a handball goal. I don't know if I need to let go of this, but I always think of Naki Wells against Leeds and sort of think, oh, we got that one. They should get this. Even though it was ages ago that now, I sort of, you know, keep thinking, oh, we were lucky there. But no, I didn't massively think it should have counted if, if that's the, the question, but I hope. Lucas, did you have any any thoughts on the, on the goal or anything on the Marshall mistake? I think Marshall has to be doing better. I reckon if Dieng's in goal, he holds on to that and it, and it doesn't go in. He hits it. He hits it fairly well, um, but he hits it to a good enough height for the goalkeeper to save. But I reckon on another day that could well be given as handball, um, especially against us because it just feels like that's been happening quite a lot recently. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, there's this rule. It's strange. It's very strange. Yeah, and in terms yeah. of Marshall, I mean, he, he did make up for it. Like, I thought he had an excellent game, and this has been the thing with him recently. Well, I, I, I really like him as a keeper. I think and he'll each week pretty much have a 10 out of 10 game, and then, unfortunately, those errors are coming in around once per game. I don't know 
don't know what it is, what you put that down to, but, but credit where it's due. They had a really good game afterwards, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And then they didn't really feel like there was any more chances, at least from from our perspective in the first half. There was, I think we maybe had one or one or two chances um, at the Luton goalkeeper. But then, obviously, right before half-time, um, Ilias Chair gets himself in, involved. Uh, I think it was Cal Naismith that came in for a challenge and kicked him on the back of the leg. Uh, and then, obviously, he reacted with um, a kind of a weird hand-to-the-face situation. Um, was he lucky to to not be sent off, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he, he doesn't strike me player that's going to make a regular habit of doing that stuff um but uh yeah um lucas what did you think goes without saying i thought he was going to get sent off me and my dad were watching on tv and we are both resigned to a chair red card because that is naughty and that should not be happening but it was yellow and we were pleasantly surprised that's what i have to say enough said yeah indeed and then obviously second half um yeah, i think it was Sorry, but I'm gone. It's quite funny that the, the, the ref saw it and then still gave it a yellow. Sorry, I was just going to say, it, it's sort of weird that the um, the ref saw it and still gave the yellow. I mean, I thought the reason that he was sort of sticking around was that he the ref hadn't seen it at all and just hadn't taken notice. But the fact they can look at that and not give a red. Yeah, and then obviously in the, in the second half, we, we probably start a little bit too, too passive as well. Um, Marshall to the rescue. I think it was Alan Campbell that um, that made uh, that had hit the shot towards Marshall, who saved us in kind of in the game to keep us keep us level. Um, and then we the kind of game turns on its head. Obviously, when Andre Gray produces a bit of individual quality um, and wins the penalty. Some I heard some Luton fans say that it shouldn't have been a penalty. Um, do, you, do you agree with the penalty decision? Yeah, it's Stonewall penalty all day long. Um, cuts into the area, changes direction, gets tripped, penalty given, exactly how I like it. Um, be, it in fa- be it in our favour and even... <sighs> if it's in our favour, then brilliant. If it's against us, then we question it. Nat- we just nat- we naturally question it. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a penalty. And obviously, Gray just got- dispatches the penalty very coolly to the keeper's top right. Um, no, to the to the keep to the keep to the keeper's left, should I say? And the keeper didn't even dive. It was that well hit. Yeah, Ben. What did you think? Um, did you agree it was a penalty, and what did you think of the uh, of the strike? I don't think it was sort of stone wall in that. Um, in that he well, he gets the ball, but he gets the ball in a way that he gets a lot of grey as well, and it was a bit of a bit of a dodgy one. So I, I thought it was a pen. I thought it was a very well taken pen as well. Yeah. Um, then obviously substitutions. Um, Austin comes on for chair. Uh, Amos for Hendrick and. Chris Willett comes on late on for Andre Gray. Lucas, uh, did you think they were the correct subs? Obviously, we had the um, the away fans chanting for Willock's Willock's name in the second half, um, and I think it was Jeff Hendrick was receiving some criticism, at least on Twitter at the time. Um, were they were they the correct substitutions? Um, yeah, I think there were some pretty astute 
moves. I think it's, it's definitely what we wanted against a team like Luton. Obviously, Austin comes on with his naturally fantastic goal-scoring record against them since rejoining the club. And um, Chris Willock comes on. Who else came on? Remind me. Um, it was Austin for Cher, Amos for Hendrick and Willock for Gray. Ah, yes. And I think, yeah, I think all three subs were subs that I personally would have liked to see because Hendrick came on. He looked questionable at times with some of his passing and some of his decision making. Obviously, his pass led to Luton's offside goal um, and he would have received an awful lot of quizzes. He, he would have basically been hung on social media had that um had that gone in and the goal stood. So I think it was the right decision to cut him some slack and take him off. Now moving on to our second goal. Um obviously we didn't have to endure the the usual corner kicks of um Johan Barbe. Um in this instance it was Chris Willock that was taking it. Um a delivery into the um, first man um which was pre-planned according to Mark Warburton. Um, obviously, then there's the Amos situation. He's on the. Is he on the keeper? Is he not? Um, did you guys think that we were quite lucky to to get away with with that goal? Really, in in the way that so many of the sort of refereeing calls in this game were a bit odd. Yes, probably, but I don't feel that Luton fans can be aggrieved in the same way that I think if we'd have lost to the, you know, the handball goal in the first half, ultimately we could have been all that aggrieved because it. it just was how it was on the day, really. Um, but we love a late, late goal from a corner, so I'm I'm not complaining. Lucas? Yeah, we do, we do love a, a late goal from a corner, and I think my personal experiences um, say just that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, um, I think allowing the goal was the right thing to do. Um, well, he was very close to the keeper. Whether it was blocking the keeper's view is a different story, but... I think allowing the goal was fair. Um, obviously, it just comes naturally. Um, if I was a Luton fan, I probably wouldn't be happy, but it's fine margins, I guess. Yeah, no, indeed. I mean, I I tweeted this during the game, I think, about the set pieces. I think, for me at least anyway, I think there's been quite an improvement on our set pieces this season. Not necessarily from just the amount of goals we scored, but it almost feels as though... They're a, they're a kind of a weapon for us each game compared to perhaps last season. I think we scored we scored lot eight last season. We've already surpassed that quite easily with eleven this year. Um, and it's I think we scored a quarter of our goals from set plays, which I don't know. It feels it feels weird for a, a QPR or Warburton side that most of our output comes from uh, in open play. Um, so I think that's quite impressive. And I don't know who does who's in charge of our set piece improvement, but um, I think they deserve. Um, some recognition. Uh, finally, on the uh, the Luton review, we're going to briefly mention um, the antics of opposition manager Nathan Jones. Now, I I said on my the last episode, and many of you will know, um, I do like Nathan Jones um, mainly as a manager uh, for his ability, but his shithousery against other sides, not just ours, um, is something that's quite quite funny at times but I mean after the game he looked almost as if he was attending a funeral um, he described our celebrations in the last minute against the fellow playoff rival as celebrating in a certain certain way um, 
his reaction, I mean, it's, it's rather ironic and kind of like sour grapes, isn't it? Yeah, it completely is. He's one of those managers, almost like like Warnock, sort of more more back in the day, Warnock, that if he manages your club, you love it, both in terms of the football and in terms of all the banter that he gives you. If you manage the other clubs, he's winding you up and he's probably trying to. Um, he's definitely trying to. But yeah, you, you know, you saw the way he got up in the away end um, at Swansea, I think he's a Cardiff Academy uh, graduate and started yeah climbing up there and beating his chest and doing all the rest of it. It's just how he is. But yeah, he looked like... Uh, Looked like he struggled to take this one. Um, if I were him, maybe I would have as well. But uh, no, it was quite funny to watch. Lucas, what did you think of uh, Nathan Jones' antics? Oh, I noticed quite a lot of things about Nathan Jones on Sunday. I noticed he was wearing a Stone Island jacket um, on the sideline, which I thought was very odd. <laughs> I could see the other two laughing here. But yeah, I thought it was very odd of him to wear a Stone Island jacket on the sidelines, not a club jacket. I thought that shows a lack of respect for the club. And also his reaction was a bit like that of um, a baby. Um, I thought he overreacted quite a lot and he was just trying to play mind games with us and saying, F you, hope you do the rest of the season in a nutshell. But yeah, I think <laughs> the reaction, I loved every moment of it. I just, yeah, I mean, the Stone Island jacket, like it, it's one thing, you know, I don't know about disrespecting the club for not wearing a club jacket. He can wear what he wants. And obviously Scott Parker does his whole sort of runway thing. Um, but like, like, could he be more of a caricature of the type of sort of manager and whatever that people say he is than wearing a Stone Island jacket on the sideline? It was unbelievable. And then with the like snood thing up to his sort of eyes, it was just this most ridiculous sight. That, it was unbelievable. That was when he, um, that was when he was complaining to the, uh, the the linesman for the offside goal. I mean, I just found it a bit ironic. I mean, <clears throat> all right, Warburton. I mean, let's be honest, Warburton doesn't do more than a, a fist pump or a clap of the clap of the hands most of the time. Um, he can barely, he can't do a Nathan Jones knee slide. I don't think he's got too, too un, um, I think he's got two dodgy knees. Um, it just, it just, I don't, I don't really get what the, a certain way means. I mean, like you said, Ben, he celebrated away at Swansea uh, like he'd won the World Cup. Uh, Bournemouth winner, he did some like jumping knee slide down the touchline. Um, and claimed he almost pulled his hamstring for a last minute wearing his Bournemouth. Like, what, what do you expect us to do? Clap our hands and and go? Oh, come on, guys, let's get let's get eleven men behind the ball. Um, it's also, just, as well, if sorry, Dad, that's right. I was going to say, yeah, if you look at the managers in this league, like you're not going to find one more sort of respectful of his opponents than Mark Warburton. I don't think he is miss the respect he's always giving credit to the other managers to the opposition players when they perform well he's very measured in criticizing his own team never saying that team were there for the taking you know saying actually we weren't up to scratch and we weren't doing it right and and yeah he didn't you know maybe maybe Nathan Jones is referencing Jimmy Dunn sort of giving the other keeper a shove instead of uh, shaking his hand I don't I don't know but uh, Warburton goes about consistently conducting himself in a really, really amazingly respectful way. I don't think you can begrudge him for however he might have celebrated the other day. No, indeed. Um, I think that's all for all for us on the the Luton review. Yeah. So, we'll... can I just touch on one last on. thing about Nathan Jones? Um, yeah, honestly, sure. um, for another big match um, at the top of the league, wouldn't surprise me if it's a bit warmer and he turns up in a weekend defender polo shirt. Okay, so moving on now to the previews. Um, luckily for us, we've got another game right around the corner. Uh, the time recording, we're playing tomorrow night against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. Um, 
good side. They've they've hit a bit of form at the right moment. Um, one of the teams really the kind of in the in the momentum um, chart like point of the season where they're closing in on a play, potential playoff place. What what can we what can we expect from uh, Nottingham Forest tomorrow? Oh, I think um, I think we can expect Keenan Davis to do bits. Um, and I think he's he's coming on though, and he's done a fantastic job um, for Forest. I think someone has to keep an eye on him, preferably Jimmy Dunn, because um, obviously he's a he's a literal tank at the back. He has been immense all season. I think Keenan Davis has come in and been a threat for Forest. I think just looking at their recent four nil win against Reading, they went three four one two with Ethan Horvath in goal. A back three of Joe Worrell, Steve Cook and Scott McKenna. Four in, four in midfield, Jed Spence, Ryan Yates, Jack Colback and Max Lowe. And then we had James Garner playing behind Brennan Johnson and obviously that man, Keenan Davis. I think one player we have to keep an eye on, it's vitally important that we do, is Jed Spence. He's been fantastic all season for Forrest. He's been really, really good. Um, his average rating is something else. His average rating is 7.16 on Mob for the whole season. Bear in mind, he started off the season, first couple of games were in the middles for sure, and then he got loaned out back end of August. Last game he played against Last game he played for Milstra was ironically against us in the three to in when we won three two, but I think we have to keep an eye on the likes of Spence and De- and Davis. I think likes of Brennan Johnson and Ryan Yates could also um, give us some food for thought too. Um, ben, on that, um, Lucas touched on likes of Spence, Davis, Johnson. Um, is there any other threats you see from Nottingham Forest? Um, those are the main ones I sort of have come to mind. Obviously, Graben's found a, a decent amount of form this season, and and, and Garner looked pretty well. He looked pretty scary against us last time. He, I think, he had a, a free kick that he scored. Um, not last time, sorry, but the, the time before that. Um, Forest are a weird one for me. I've only hands hands up. I've only watched two full games of theirs this season. I've seen, obviously, all the highlights and the, the goals and whatever. But it was the games against uh, Cardiff and uh, Leicester. And against Leicester, they looked unbelievable. And man for man, those sort of young players were so, so good. Against Cardiff, they looked like any other championship team. Um, and I think if you looked at um, looked at our performances against Swansea when, when Steve Cooper was in charge there, it was a mixed bag. There was only one game, I think, um, a 2-0 where they looked like they really dominated us and that was in a bad run of form ourselves. I think they're gettable. I don't think it will be easy in any way. Um, one thing, I suppose, is that it looks like Steve Cook, obviously, who we nearly got hold of, might be out with an injury. We're just sort of, I think, you know, Forest fans more so than us are, are waiting to hear how long that will be for or what impact that will have. But no, in terms of individual players, they've got some of the ones in the division that would worry me the most, I think, definitely. Yeah, no, funny you should say um, Steve Cook. I was just about to come on to that. Um, yesterday, it was announced that um, Steve Cook and Max Lowe, uh, their first choice left wing back, are both out for six weeks. Um, so I, I suppose that's... Yeah. yeah, so I suppose that's, that is good news. Um, but like you said earlier, I mean, you can look all around that team really, and they, I mean they've got the, the depth there as well. They do have do have some decent depth, obviously. It helps that 
when you sign like 22 players every every transfer window um, that that you have a massive squad. But I mean, like like Lucas touched on, Brennan Johnson is going to be a big threat. Keenan Davis, big physical physical striker. Uh, and interestingly, Lucas, you mentioned Jimmy Dunn. Um, I touched on it. I've touched on it a few times during the week um, and during the Luton game, which I, obviously I didn't say um, earlier. But one of the he's been fantastic for us, Dunn, um, for a lot of the season. But then there is some is some weaknesses in his game, like his mobility, um, and at times he can overcommit when he engages too tight. We saw that on the weekend against um, Cameron Jerome, where I think he got rolled by the touchline. Um, because he lacks a bit of mobility to to recover in those situations. So against the likes of Brennan Johnson, who's rapid, um, and Keenan Davis, who's a big physical threat and quick as well, do we think that's a concern for Dunn? Do we think that he could potentially get beat in those situations quite easily with his lack of mobility? Yes, I think he could. I, I feel maybe I don't quite see that as much as you, and, and you have got more of an eye for that sort of thing, I'll grant. But it's an element of of playing a back three, I suppose, isn't it? That you've got the ability to soak up the sort of pressure that that causes a little bit more. It's been the story with us all season, really, that people go on about, oh, the performances have been bad, but we've been winning. There are reasons for that. And one of the reasons is that we're quite good at the last ditch stuff the majority of the time. So there's that extra sort of cushion. But no, it does it does worry me that that sort of stuff could happen to, to Dunn, I suppose. Yeah. Um, is there anything else... Um... Anyone wants to say about Nottingham Forest before we talk about the the, um, the lineups? Or oh, um, let's just hope we break the hoodoo. Hey, um, eighty, I think it's eighty-eight years now. One win. Let's hope we can get our second t- tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, we'll move on to to how we <clears throat> think or want to want to line up on tomorrow night. Um, I'll start with you, Lucas. Are there any? changes you want to make from Sunday's team? Um, so from Sunday's team, I think we're looking for chair. Um, wouldn't mind seeing that. And obviously I would say play a similar lineup to one we played against West Brom because um, that worked really well. Obviously at the time we didn't have Hendrick, but I think Hendrick, Field, Johansson um, against a team like Forest would look tidy. Um I think Willock playing, I, re- I reckon just playing Gray to start off with would look good and then obviously keep the back line as it is, but only debate is Moses or Albert because obviously Albert was man in the match um, last time out. But yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um, ben, are you a bit different to Lucas? Um, I, by the sounds of it, I think he wants a 3-5-2 with Willock and um, Willock and Gray up top and chair off the bench on the bench. Would you would you agree with that or are you going to go for um, something different? I'd definitely bring in Willock 100% if he's if he's ready for a game. Um, I would either bring him in for chair like that or bring him in for probably Hendrick um, and, and sort of have those two behind the striker. You know, the, I think Willock and chair are so good together, but what we forget is that I think Wallace unlocks a lot of that on the left-hand side. And while we've got Wallace fit and playing... I'd quite like to see the two of them in there with him. Um, if we were to stick with the sort of one attacking mid behind the striker, I would be possibly inclined to bring in Amos for Hendrick. I'm, I'm a big fan of Amos and think he's been a bit unlucky to not get the minutes. Um, as for Albert and Moses, I think Moses has more than earned the place in the side. But if there's any fitness stuff, if there's any rotation that needs to be done, 
obviously would be very, very happy to see Albert get the minutes, especially because we don't know if he's playing for us next season, I suppose. Yeah. Um, no, I think I'd agree on the... Um, I think we need Chair and Willock back together behind behind Gray. I mean, I think Hendrick's probably the obvious one to drop. Obviously, he's received some criticism of late. I don't really know what he kind of adds to this side. He kind of feels like... I think I've said this previous pod that kind of feels like he's an all-round 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 for every attribute that doesn't really have like an outstanding uh, one like maybe Field or Johansson does. <clears throat> and I wonder on the on the Wallace point whether, obviously Wallace is a, a key part of the way we play, um, but obviously with the three games in one week, I'm interested to know whether potentially he deploys McCallum there up against Jed Spence, who's probably a little bit more mobile than, than Wallace is. Um, that's something that maybe could be deemed as a threat. I don't know what either of you, either of you think about that. Yeah, my only hesitation uh, with that is in the reverse fixture, um, McCann got injured for four months. So I think whether, whether we... Maybe harsh use, to blame Forrest for that directly, though. <laughs> um, whether, we, whether we blame Forrest for that or whether um, it's just a coincidence is, is another story, but I'm just putting it out there that maybe he hasn't played a lot recently and against somebody like Jed Spence might not be the best of games to bring him back in. No, that's a fair point. Um, I think that's everything for Forrest. Um, so we're going to cover one more game, which is on Sunday um, against Peterborough. Um, now, everyone knows this season, uh, particularly Lucas and I, who, well, I've made the trip to the FA Cup game, so did Lucas. Um, we, we've lost twice to them this season. Uh, they're a bit of a, a bogey side, if you can call them that, over the small sample size. Um but what are we gonna? What are we expecting from Peterborough on Sunday? I can't bear to expect anything, honestly. I, if if I'm looking at the games we've got left in the season, I never like write off games. I never think we're not winning this. But I think it was the Fulham home game. I just cannot see us getting anything from that, and I'm I'm already resigned to it with the Peterborough game. I'd love to be surprised. Yes, they're away from home this time. All the other variable, I can't bring myself to get any hope together for that at all. And that's no criticism of Warburton, the team, anything. I just can't see it happening. Um, Lucas, obviously, Grant McCann's come in uh, into the side a few weeks ago. Uh, yet to win, um, but they do have a game before us. So we've just got to hope, really, that the other the, the team they play midweek gets on before we, we become a typical QPR, don't we? Yeah, um, they're playing Swansea, um, and they, that means they won't have... Um, Loney goalkeeper Stephen Bender available in between the sticks, which means they have to resort. They'll definitely have to play David Cornell in goal, who's been playing last couple of weeks since Bender um, pulled out of um, the team against Huddersfield. But yeah, um, I um, who who will Peter beat first? Will it be Swansea at home or will it be Charity Park Rangers? Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's us, given our paraplegic record against the posh this season but I reckon I'd love to see us have a good game and put four or five past them but honestly given our record against them I, I reckon I'm just going to say it'll be a draw obviously they've, they've got some I think they got the last two last two games they got draws against Stoke and Bournemouth so not the not the worst results in the world for a side that are very young um, inexperienced probably at this level um, and uh, fighting for their lives are there any 
are there any threats we particularly see from their side? Any key players of theirs? Yeah, I've noticed quite a few myself. Obviously, prior to January, it would have been Siriki Dembele, but now he's at Bournemouth. Um, but I think a couple of threats for them include the likes of Jorge Grant, Jean Do Um I think he was quite a presence in midfield the second time he played them. Fuchs was, um, I think, someone who played us, who scored against us in the first match was Harrison Burrows. Young, agile and plenty of potential. I think at the back, um, obviously, they have Ronnie Edwards, who's just who's playing in the championship week in, week out at the frail age of 18. Um, I think he's definitely someone in there too. I also think um who else is it? Who else there? There's their captain, I believe he is Oliver Norburn. He he was man the match against us back in October, getting an assist or a I think it was their second goal he got the assist for. And then obviously, I'm, I'm just hoping that if Chad does play on Sunday, he scores a corner and I fall two rows of seats like I did against Peterborough. Because, yeah, that, that, was, that was a good moment. Only good memory I have there, falling two rows of seats when we scored. But I reckon I'd love to see us get something out of it. I'd love to see us put four or five past them, but I just can't see it happening. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I think particularly with the uh, the Fuchs mention. I remember obviously being at that game. He just felt almost like a, a physically dominant presence in midfield. Um, I think they got the better of us in that midfield generally anyway. But he definitely, like you said, I, I definitely think like he, uh, definitely think he stood out in that game. Um, we'll move on to the lineups. Obviously, it's hard to, it's hard to predict these lineups with the game being midweek and the game, uh, the game being on Sunday. Um, but is there any particular lineup you'd like to see on on Sunday, or do you expect rotation? Is there... Do I expect rotation? I reckon one of two things will happen: we'll either rotate, or we'll just full on go for it and try and put four or five past them to try and make up for the monstrosities we've seen earlier in the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either happens. Either we either we rotate and and save our players for the Fulham game, or we try and put four or five past them because obviously we have the international break coming up after the game, so I reckon we could well use that to perhaps have like a week off and then just go and go for it with the Fulham game, and then yeah that's that's all. I I reckon I reckon we'll go for it. I don't think there'll be many changes. Um, obviously we don't know if anyone's going to get sent off. Anyone's going to get their tenth booking of the season? Don't know if anyone's on nine bookings for that matter. Um, if someone could check, that'd be great. But I reckon it's either going to be, I reckon we'll go full strength against Peterborough, and then because obviously we have the obviously we have two week obviously we have two weeks off straight after the game. So yeah, yeah. Ben, what do you think of the? Or what would you like in the lineup? Or uh, like like Luke said, there's an international break, so I don't imagine he'll make too many changes ahead of that game. No, and I mean, what Warburton does is rotate. What he doesn't do is play a weak team one day in order to play a strong team the next day. You know, I, th- I think Adoma will play, will get minutes. I think McCallum will get minutes. I wouldn't be surprised to see him use more of those midfield options. He always talks about the squad being there. I'm not saying that Dumball suddenly starts, but maybe he plays 20 minutes at the end of a game at some point. Maybe Andre Dazelle shows up at some point. I think we'll get a little bit of that. We're not in one of those. I mean, we've probably passed the worst sort of intense period of the season now in terms of 
constant midweek games. So I don't, I don't, I don't think Wolves will be panicking looking at his his options. But I would imagine, yeah, the squad players get utilised a little bit, and uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing some of them. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Um, and finally, we're going to be moving on to the usual predictions. So, Lucas, I'll start with your prediction for the Forest game. I'm going to say Forest. Um, I think I mean, if, if we get four points from these games, we're doing well. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm just going to be realistic here. I think Forest, it will be a hard for 2-2 draw. And I think Peter Burrow will be one all. I'd love to be wrong ben, in both aspects, but that's just how I see it going. Ben, what do you think of the, um, what are your predictions for the next two games? Yeah, Lucas stole my prediction for the Forest. I'm also going to say to all, I think, high-quality game between high-quality sides, like the one against Middlesbrough at home, um, to all there. And I feel I was too pessimistic with Peterborough. So we'll say 1-0 QPR, um, similar to sort of Wickham last season, where we have a hard time against a lower-placed team at their place and then just about get past them at our place. Yeah, and no, I think I think for me, Forest, I reckon we're probably going to get have a one all score draw and um i reckon we'll beat peter for 3-1 um that's all for this week's episode um please make sure you subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to this on uh if you want to give us a follow on twitter please do so mine is at dan lambert underscore ben what's your twitter at at bm underscore summer bm underscore summer and lucas what's your at Lucas underscore Ross 10. Lucas underscore Ross 10. Nice and easy to remember. Um, make sure to follow at our generation net on Twitter for all the latest content and updates. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, come on, you ours.